Hello and welcome to A Brief Chat. Today is Monday. It's the 27th of July, 2020. Let's take a look back at this day in radical history via the Slingshot Collective Day Planner. You can get yours at slingshotcollective.org. Neither of these events is particularly radical. Today is the uh, Delta, I assume it's Aquarids meteor shower, but if you're yelling at your uh, podcast player right now. And in 1866, on this day, the Atlantic Cable was finally connected, permitting telegraph communication between the U.S. and Europe, which is, I guess, radical in the technological sense, but uh, I'm not sure if it's radical in the, uh, you know, progressive anarchist sense. So I was reading this very, very thin book, uh, which came out in 1985 from the Zen Center of London, which is, I believe, what's it called? Uh, the Buddhist Society. It's It still exists, although they don't seem to have this book for sale. The book is called Pointers to Insight, The Life of a Zen Monk by Soko Morinaga Roshi. And as you can see, I mean, it's if you're watching the YouTube version, it's tiny. It's very, very thin. And I'll just tell you, if you are listening to the audio version, it's very thin. And I was reading it today, read the whole thing in a very short time, because obviously it's not very long, and it really it really kind of moved me. So I thought that we would just read it together, and maybe I will add some little annotations from my own experience. Uh, I'm not going to do this in one episode. These episodes are still going to be 10 minutes, so it'll probably take several days. And we'll just do that, you know, maybe for the rest of this week, except for the poetry on Friday. And then if it continues into next week, fine. And if we're done, you know, in a few days, that's fine, too. I'm going to skip the introduction, which is not particularly useful. I will just tell you that this uh, was translated by a guy named Jim Stokes in 84, and it's based on a lecture that Soko Morinaga Roshi gave in July 1981, uh, and that lecture was published in Japanese in 1982, and then Jim Stokes translated it, and then in 85, this book came out. So here's the, uh, this is the, uh, when I said I was going to skip the intro, I actually meant I was going to skip the forward, um, which is by someone else entirely, and I don't think contributes to the story. So this is uh, the introduction. So these are now the words of uh, Soko Morinaga Roshi. Roshi is the, uh, as he'll describe in the text, but Roshi is the uh, honorific title for uh, the kind of a teacher or what we might call a master, a Zen master in um, the Rinzai Zen lineage and in some others. So he's he is looking back on his life, uh, you know, kind of later in it. Just a quick chronology of his timeline. He was born in 1925 in Toyama Prefecture in Japan. He graduated from high school in 1947. He was ordained a monk in 1948. He entered Daitokuji in uh, Kyoto, which is a, a temple, a training temple, in 1949. And in 1965, he took over a temple of his own after many years of, of study. So, now to his own words. This is uh, chapter one, the introduction. Today, both in Japan and abroad, there has been a remarkable increase in the interest shown in Zen. Abroad, the question invariably asked is, just what is Zen Satori? However, Satori is something only a person who has previously experienced it understands, and it's not something we can understand by just listening to an explanation. And Satori is a term we would probably translate as enlightenment. 
For example, there is a saying that only a parent understands parental love. However much a parent may try to explain his feelings as a parent to a child, the child cannot fully understand. He will only understand this feeling completely when he himself becomes a parent. Because Satori is such a personal and extremely profound experience, any verbal explanation I might venture would not help you to understand. With this in mind, Pointers to Insight, the name of this book, Pointers to Insight tells about my first experiences as a young Zen monk. The real purpose of religious training, whether we call it Satori or Anjin, which means to calm the heart and mind, it's kind of a synonym for Satori. Uh, the real purpose of Zen training, whether we call it Satori or Anjin, is to gain genuine peace of mind, which ensures we live really fulfilled and contented lives. In what follows, the essential requirements for achieving this end are discussed. Uh, chapter 2, Thinking on Death. I was born in Uotsu on the Japan Sea and was a pupil in the Department of Liberal Arts at Toyama High School when the Second World War was at its height. At that time, high school pupils were exempt from conscription until they left school. However, when the war situation worsened, an imperial edict was issued summoning liberal arts pupils to the front. Apparently, the reasoning behind this was that whereas science pupils would make a positive contribution to the war by their future study of medicine and the natural sciences, liberal arts pupils were, on the contrary, likely to upset the national spirit with their bookishness and argumentative theories. So a decree was issued that liberal arts students, like all others at the age of 20, were to be given a medical examination and sent off without reprieve to the army. And then, suddenly, the conscription age was reduced by a year, and we were to be off to the front at once. We all know that we will die someday, perhaps tomorrow, perhaps in 20 or 30 years' time. What makes life and peace of mind possible is the fact that we do not really know when. But when awaiting uncertainty, the arrival of our call-up papers... Sorry. But when awaiting with uncertainty the arrival of our call-up papers, we suddenly felt we were staring death in the face. I, for my part, had the feeling that every day I was treading air. Whether awake or asleep, I kept thinking about my own death in action, but it was too late to look for philosophical or religious answers to the question of death. I believe the young men who entered the services then and went off to the front found a makeshift answer to their misgivings by blindly convincing themselves that in the final analysis, it was a just war for which they could not begrudge the sacrifice of their own lives. I did so too. We reasoned that amongst human beings, there is always the exploiter and the exploited, and so also amongst nations and races, and that the economically developed nations of Europe and America had been exploiting the East for a long time. Our country had risen up against this and was waging a just and meaningful war of liberation from such exploitation, a cause which well merited, if needs must, our own bodies being smashed to pieces. So my senior and fellow school friends climbed into airplanes fueled for a one-way mission to certain death, and with their favorite book on philosophy, or Shinran's Tanisho placed beside their joysticks, went off to plunge down on the enemy ships. Tanisho, it says in a footnote, is a religious treatise of the 13th century compiled as a summary of the ideas of Shinran Shonin, founder of the Jodo Shin sect of Buddhism, by one of his disciples. Today it is one of the most widely read of the Buddhist classics. Back to... Uh, Soto Morinaga Roshi. Many of them were shot down and crashed into the sea before they could accomplish their mission. At the time, we were convinced of it being a just war that warranted self-sacrifice. But after Japan's unconditional surrender on August 15, 1945, we were told it had been a war of aggression and evil for which the leaders were to be executed. 
And, you know, one of the things that comes up when you study the history, uh, the recent history of Buddhism, is that during World War II, uh, many Buddhists in Japan were active supporters of the war. Um, Morinaga was not a Buddhist at this point. He was still a high school student or just out of high school. But um, many Buddhist monks and priests and leaders did support the war. And, you know, that's no different than happens in every country, really. You know, if the country rallies behind a war effort, usually many of the religious leaders will as well. It's the, you know, it's when the Quakers decide not to go to World War II and get thrown in jail or sent to work camps or whatever. Those things are the exceptions. But by and large, uh, you know, religious institutions, which certainly, you know, Buddhism is in at least one sense, often throw themselves, you know, wholeheartedly into the into the war effort. Um, I think it's interesting here, and actually he'll get into this in the next chapter, the the way that he was grappling with what his life meant at, you know, he was a teenager then. I mean, he all of a sudden, and obviously this is the experience of many soldiers, I assume, you know, he all of a sudden had to figure out, well, my life might end actually pretty soon. Can I justify this in some way? Can I say that if I'm about to get killed, that it's worth it somehow? And, you know, are the people around me, what's the message they're sending? Well, that it's a it's a just war for these reasons. And certainly we did no we did no different on this end and continue to do so. Although I think maybe we maybe we care less about the justness of our conflicts these days. So we'll continue this tomorrow. Um, there are a total of 10 chapters. It's like, what is it? It's 59 pages long and we're already 19 pages in. So it's not going to take very long. And as he goes in here, I I just found myself moved again and again while I was reading this today. And I just wanted to share it with you. I, um, even if you're not a student of Buddhism, which I'm sure 99% of the people who hear this won't be, uh, I think there's a lot in what he says that at least I found applicable to the bigger questions of my own life. That's the show for today. You can now find this show on YouTube. There's links in the show notes. And I don't have like a fancy, easy YouTube address yet. Um, I will put a YouTube link up, though, at abriefchat.com if you want to go there. It'll be there by the time you hear this episode. And you can become a member there as well uh, for a variety of reasons. That's probably going to become even more important to me. And especially, you know, given the way things are changing and uh, unemployment law and whether there'll be a bill passed that provides, you know, the relief that we're currently getting, um, et cetera, et cetera. I think probably your memberships are about to grow even more important. So if you can uh, see your way to uh, some bucks a month, that would be super lovely. And I thank you in advance. Also, if you are already a member or if you can't afford to be a member, uh, there is another huge thing you can do for me, which is help tell other people about the show. Uh, so if you just uh, share it out there in the world, it's, uh, it's really great and nothing really beats word of mouth when it comes to getting people to listen to something. That's it for today. Uh, so thank you so much for listening and or watching. I love you. A better world is possible, but we have a lot of work to do. Please.